Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you again on a Thursday night. We ask as we investigate your word that you would bless us and encourage us, strengthen us. Lord, we just ask that we would be faithful to you and to your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Wave your hand there and uh, Brother Alvin will try to get you on. Uh, Philippians chapter 4. And again, we're uh, just trying to uh, get the big picture here as we go through the book of Philippians because Paul has a, a very simple, straightforward message. Uh, and uh, so often uh, as, as we study a book, we uh, will get caught up in certain phrases, I was just going through a, a, a short list of some of the places I would like for us to go back. I'd like to spend a whole Thursday night on the mind of Christ from chapter 2. Let this mind be in you, which also was in Christ Jesus. You go down just a few more. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. I, I mean, that is not let's make a deal. Uh, that is what we are supposed to be about. If your salvation doesn't work, maybe it's not Bible salvation. If it's not working to solve problems in present day life, are you sure it's going to work well enough to get you to heaven? And that's what Paul is spending some time there. And then the great battle that we have with self. I mean, that's the first part of chapter 3. Wow. And who could forget chapter 1, verse 6, uh, being confident of this very thing, that uh, he which hath begun a good work in you will finish it, will keep working until the day of Christ Jesus. I mean, those are some exceeding special promises. Yet, we're supposed to Approve those things which are excellent. We're supposed to beware of the evil workers. We're supposed to beware of the, the dogs and the concision. Uh, we, we will deal with enemies of the cross. And, and, uh, but Paul's biggest, his, his basic thing here is, first he opens with a prayer. And he says, my hope is that you guys are going to keep serving Christ. I mean, every day it seems I hear about some church that used to be something that it isn't anymore. Paul says, listen, I don't want that to happen to the Philippian church. I want you to keep serving Christ. And, and uh, we get to uh, the end of uh, uh, chapter uh, 1, and Paul is confident that this is going to happen Paul then says, listen, if there be any consolation, and, and by the way, consolation is not on the, pat, on the back and say, I'm feeling sorry for you. It is a plan to get something done. It is actual help. That's what consolation is. Don't be satisfied with pity when you can actually get Help, And that's what chapter 2 is about. And that's where the mind of Christ is just a very small part, not a small part, but it's just a part of that entire thought there that he is 
saying and the love and the fellowship of believers that is included there. And then we get to chapter 3 and Paul says, listen, the gospel works. It works in my life. It is worth the loss of every good thing I possessed. You know, if we can just take a modern day aside here, uh, we have those teaching American history that the American Revolution was a group of businessmen because of economic reasons and economic gain wanted to throw off the... Uh, uh, the shackles of, of Britain so that they could get all of the goods themselves. Uh, greed was their only purpose. Uh, well, if you don't have it, you ought to get a copy of the book. It's an e-book. You can get it online. The Lives of the Signers of the Declaration. Not a one of them was enriched financially by signing that document. In fact, most of them, many of them, lost everything they possessed. Several, they were on the most wanted list of the British soldiers as they came through. One man from New Jersey was hounded and his wife was put in prison. He was put in prison and finally exhausted. He died before the revolution was even over. How many of you know that George Washington, when he accepted the presidency of this country, had to borrow money to rent the proper type carriage and buy the clothes to come up to New York City from Virginia to be inaugurated because his plantation and his, where his income had so diminished during the revolution, during his time, even the several years afterward, he was not able to recoup and get where he was. They gave it up for this thing called liberty. And you know what their testimony is even to this day? It was worth it. Paul, Paul here saying, listen, serving Christ is worth it. I want you to understand. And you will never attain. You know, this is a problem that a lot of people have with the gospel. Is It's not your fairy godmother showing up and making you wonderful. Uh, just look around. There's a lot of work that needs to be done on people. Amen? Myself included. Uh, we, we need that work. And that's what Paul is describing in chapter 3. Is that continuing work. That needs to be done. He confirms the gospel. There, there is a hope. There's an expectation. Now, he says, I'm going to tell you how to continue in the faith. I've met some preachers. Uh, actually, I... I can't say that I've ever been there. I, I don't understand. They want to quit every Monday morning. Uh, I just never could get there. Now, now I'll tell you, we had a really frustrating week with some of the uh, things that we're repairing over there. You would fix it and uh, and, and then uh, put the test on it to make sure it worked and somewhere else would leak. And then you go in and, and uh, uh, finally realize that uh, 
there was not one, not hardly one piece of pipe in the old system that was any good. I mean, uh, some of the pipe was good, but it all had to be rethreaded and it all had to be refitted and and, and uh, all of the joint compound in there had to be replaced and all the valves were bad and had to be thrown away. And you just sit there and you go. In fact, what was it? How, what time did we get back last night? Or Yeah, one thirty in the morning. And, and it was still leaking. Now, you know what you do? You get up the next morning, you go back. That's what you do. And uh, Stephen called me. I left him over there this afternoon. He calls me back and he says, Dad, it's not leaking. You see, if you quit, what do you have? Paul just finished in chapter 3 saying, I've suffered the loss of everything so that I could get Christ. So why do we give up on our Christianity? Why, why do we get overwhelmed in the struggle? And, and Paul's going to answer that in chapter 4. He is going to teach us how to continue in this thing called the gospel. He says, therefore. Now, anytime you see that word in your Bible, you got to know there's a connection there. Everything that Paul has given them to this point is the foundation for this. And Paul reminds them uh, of his deep affection, my dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crown. So stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. Now let me ask you a question. How can you stand fast if you're not already standing in the right place? You see, Paul could not tell them to stand fast if they were like the Corinthian church. Uh, he never told them to stand fast. He, he said, you, you need to change this and you need to fix this and you need to, you need to get over here where you're supposed to be. Then you can know your labor. Be steadfast, unmovable. Chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians. Uh, he didn't need 15 chapters for the Philippian church. They were already in the right place. You know, one of the, one of the great problems, uh, Brother Wayne Hardy's preached several sermons on the excitement of the new, on the chasing of something new. There's, a, there's just a pattern there. Uh, there's an anticipation. Uh, and there's, there's just something that people want about something new. You know what? Paul says, you don't need anything new. He said, you already have. What you need to serve me. You cannot improve on God's plan, which is the local church. That's, that's all there is. He has not given us. By the way, you cannot improve on this old book called the Bible. Uh, uh, there are many that have tried. But uh, how many of you remember back several years when uh, Coca-Cola decided to change the formula to the new Coke? And somebody at Pepsi had their act together. 
And they came out with that commercial. Well, this is the new Coke. That's the old Coke. But since the, they didn't like the new Coke, they came out with the old Coke. That's actually, does anybody remember that commercial? I mean, it's the best advertisement Pepsi ever had. I mean, uh, still didn't work on me. I can taste the difference. And, and uh, uh, But the simple truth of the matter is, Paul says, listen, you're my dearly beloved you, you are doing what a church ought to do. Now, just keep doing it. Just keep doing it. Just stand fast. And then, how would you like to be Euodius or Syntyche? Two dear ladies in the church. And the only thing in the whole book of Philippians that is negative in its contest directed at the Philippian church are these two ladies who Paul names. And he says, they got a problem. He says, I beseech Euodius and beseech Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord. I read a commentator, he said, how embarrassed would these two ladies have had to have been to know that their names were going to be held in perpetuity everywhere the book of Philippians is going to be read through all of history. There they are. Ta-da! Uh, that, that might just be a little warning. Uh, you see, here's the simple problem. Look what it says here that they be of the same mind in the Lord. Now, what did Paul just finish saying? He said, I want you to stand fast. How many of you have ever held dearly to something that you thought was absolutely right, only to find out you were absolutely wrong? Has anybody else ever had that experience? Well, welcome to the world of Yodius and Syntyche, right? Uh they were standing fast. It just wasn't in the right place. And here was the cure. The cure was the mind of Christ. You see, chapter 3, Paul just finished this great treatise on selfishness, on how to get rid of it in your life. And, and that's simple. You just open the door, empty it out, and get rid of everything, and put Christ in there. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Jesus never, ever denied who He is. Jesus never covered Himself up. He never made Himself... To be less yet, can you think of anybody more humble than Jesus Christ? Who left heaven's glory, who prayed as they put the nails in his hand, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Uh, I'll tell you. That's the mind of Christ. And that solves this problem that was there. This Exaltation of self. And verse 3 says, And I entreat thee also, talking to each member, true yoke fellow, 
Those of you that are standing where you need to stand, you don't have to have your names mentioned. Amen? You don't need to be called out, but here's what you need to do. Help those women which labored with me in the gospel. Do you almost wonder? I mean, I do. I, I think that Paul was probably talking about Euodius and Syntyche, among others. That they had labored with him in the gospel, but they had gotten a little bit out of step. And he says, with other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. You know, this idea of standing fast is simply this. It's being a faithful, unified part of a local assembly of believers. That's all it is. Paul was writing to the church at Philippi. He was writing to a church. He was explaining to them these things. He was helping them understand. And as he finishes, he says, I want you to stand fast. But you know, not everybody's in the right spot. Don't stand fast in the wrong place. And then he starts into... How are you going to continue in the faith? You see, first of all, you've got to be in the right place. Then, chapter verse 4, what's it say? Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say what? Rejoice! I'll tell you what. About that third time I put the leak tester on there and saw that thing going... I was not rejoicing. About uh, 10.30, Stephen and I are looking at this thing and saying, you know what, we must have elongated that elbow. It's not sealing. We're going we're gonna to have to take the whole thing apart and replace that part. And, of course, if you know anything about plumbing, is you start at one point and you work to the end. Uh, you can't start in the middle uh, because it only goes one direction. And so uh, here we go again. And... and uh, Kept right at it. Oh. But I'll tell you, it was kind of nice when the pressure gauge just went right there. No movement. Right where it's supposed to be. You see, even when things aren't going right, look what it says here. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, this is a section here. God wants to keep your heart and your mind. You know, we live in a world um, just full of brand new diseases. And uh, every once in a while, they come up with a brand new one. Do they not? Has anybody had the opportunity to read a clinical description of depression? 
I tried to one time after about 15 pages. I said, wow, I think I've had enough. You see, somebody put it this way, that we of this generation have not had to face many of the things of former generations, and so we invent phobias, fears, and disorders to make our life and our existence look more difficult so that we can be satisfied with ourselves that we are facing the same difficulties that our forefathers did. That is an indictment. Uh, Really. You see, if you want your heart and your mind kept, you have to understand something. Even when the pressure test fails time and time again, I can still rejoice in the Lord. This is a command. This is not an option. This is understanding that all true joy comes from the Lord. And if you'd have enough sense just to replace it all the first time, you wouldn't have had any problems. You see, let your moderation be known unto all men. Now, that is a word that people do not like. When's the last time you saw moderate acceleration in your automobile? A moderate upholstered interior. Moderate gas mileage. No, you you want excellent gas mileage. You want fantastic acceleration. You want thrilling acceleration. And and you want luxurious upholstery, right? Unless you have a lot of kids, then you really don't. You just want something that washes up nice. And and, uh, the, the simple truth of the matter is, moderation is not something that is rewarded. It's not something that's even noticed. It more often is ignored. Who gets all the attention in the classroom? The straight-A students and the knuckleheads, right? I mean, the ones on the extreme. Who really should be getting the attention? The big group in the middle that's really working hard to do what they have to do. The straight-A student, he doesn't work. Uh, he, he, it just comes naturally. Many of them do work, but it, it, there's, there's a gift there. But uh, if you ever remember Charlie Horton, he used to preach on your C-plus student. Yeah. And he said, Brother Montoro, you know what I'm talking about. And I'm going, well, yeah, uh, kind of, sort of, maybe. But uh, When I was working 70 hours a week, yeah, I I can tell you what a C-plus student is. But uh, here's, here's what he's saying here. We need to keep our rejoicing in the Lord. Moderation. We don't need excesses. We don't need this great big party time. We, we don't need on the other extreme this real super somber. Jesus is coming back. We've got to live life. You see, I'm not supposed to worry about anything. I'm supposed to pray. 
I'm supposed to supplicate. That's earnest request. But that earnest request is with thanksgiving. Who better can I trust with something than God? How many would say, Pastor, I'm with you tonight. I know I'm saved and I'm trusting Jesus with my eternal soul. Would you just slip up a hand for a moment? Okay, now all of you that put your hand up there, how many of you have had some frustration, some testing that you didn't trust Christ with this past week? Okay. You see, that's why we lose heart. That's why our mind gets overwhelmed. You see, if we're going to stand fast, if we've we got to first be in the right place, then number two, we've got to rejoice in the Lord. Uh, we've got to let our moderation, we cannot be swept with the extremes of, of all of these things that are going on around us, and then the peace of God. And we've got to pray. We've got to bring our request before God with thanksgiving, knowing that there's no better place to trust than in God. And when we do, if we could just let go of the handle there and let the Lord carry those burdens... You'd be like the people in the Got Junk commercials. You remember those? Just point and it disappears. Well, if you would just give it to Jesus, He'll carry it for you. Amen? It doesn't mean the problem's going to disappear. But what it means is, it's no longer your responsibility. That's what being careful for nothing means. It doesn't mean be careless. What it means is, Pray and let God take care of it. And then he goes on and, and he gives a list of things here. Finally, my brethren, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. You see, our mind has got to be trained. What is the number one rule in the world? If it bleeds, it leads. If there's something terrible about this, it's go everybody's going to read it. Everybody wants to know about it. But if there's nothing extraordinary, who cares? Well, the Bible says we need to go through this list. Whatsoever is true. Well, can't spend very much time on Washington politics. If you're going to think about things that are true. We need to pray for our president. That, that is for sure. We need to uh, pray for those that are trying to destroy him. Uh, that God will thwart their efforts. Uh, it's okay to pray that way. We, we need to pray for things that are honest. Wow. You know, if, if we just had honesty in Washington, what would those people have to do? We, we, could, we could clear their slate. Just take every dishonest thing off the record. And, uh, uh, well, anyway, we need to keep moving here. Uh, 
Um, but things that are pure and lovely and of a good report. Then, verse 9, those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me. And what's that next word? Do. I get calls and flyers and emails and things all the time about if you if you really want your church to grow, please do this. And this is where I go. Uh, those things that I've learned, that I've received, that's how I got saved. Amen. That's how I've become a preacher. Uh, I've heard things. I've seen in others. Now, uh, how many of you have a problem with that last two-letter word there? How many of you are doing everything that you've learned and received and heard and seen? Well, then, let's get busy with that and forget about all this new stuff that's out there. And let's go right back. It goes right back in the circle to stand first in the, verse, in the first verse. You see... Now Paul is going to address how this has played out in his life. And in these last few verses here. Uh, the last, actually pretty close to a little more than half the chapter. In verse 10, he says, well, let's, let's just finish this last phrase. And the God of peace shall be with you. So... If I have the peace of God keeping my heart and my mind, if I fill my mind with those things that are on the list there, if I am doing the right things and the God of peace is with me, what else do I have to worry about? Absolutely nothing. Uh, that's how you stand fast. This this is the direction. And... and We'll probably take a, a Thursday night and go through this in more detail. But Paul says in verse 10, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, at, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and how to abound, Everywhere and in all things I am instructed, both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Now, how many times have you heard that verse quoted? I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Mm -hmm. Okay, how about suffering need? Well, no, that's not. No, that's what Paul just said. How about being content? Oh, wait, wait a minute. We're not supposed to be content. We're supposed to press. Oh, no, no. Paul said he's still pressing on toward the mark. Amen. But he's content with those things that he has in his hands. He is content with where his life is and where his life is headed. You see, this all things through Christ is not a blank check to get whatever you want from God. It is the ability to stand fast in the right place, doing the things which you have 
received, learned, heard, and seen in the lives of Paul and in the printing, in the words of our Scripture. This is what Paul is speaking about here. And he says, notwithstanding, he says, listen, I, I have learned, but it sure was nice when you guys made it easy on me. That's what he's telling the Philippians. You know, I think of the testimonies of several of our missionaries that have been through over the years. Uh, they'll always say, thank you for your support and for your prayers. And, and uh, a lot of times they'll talk about the little cards that our ladies on Thursday night before the service. They get together and pray and they send out Christmas cards and and do things, and and uh, many times when the missionary stops by, I say, hey, I remember your church because you did that for us. It was an encouragement to us. And and that's all Paul's saying here. He's saying, you did right in communicating, and he says, you know the history between me and your church that At the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica you sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice, acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now, be careful here. Uh, you turn in the TVN crowd and you're going you're gonna learn about a slot machine God. You put in so many prayers and pull the handle, and if that doesn't work, you might need to pray a little louder or a little longer or, or put some more money in the offering plate. There was one guy, I remember, years ago we were driving in to New York City with Brother Clayton. I think it was 1987 in the summer. It was about two o'clock in the morning. We were coming across the Throg's Neck Bridge, and oh, I was just so tired. And I started going through the radio. All of a sudden, I heard something that sounded like preaching on a local station. And it was some preacher. And he said, listen, he said, you just promised to send Brother Shambach half of whatever God blesses you with. And God will bless you. And I'm sitting here going, wow. If that's not the spirit of New York City, I don't know what is. Uh, I mean, come on. And I'm sure people were doing it. You know why? Because they want something. Paul said, I, it, I don't desire a gift from you. I need it. In fact, how many of you remember what happened when Epaphroditus brought that gift that Paul speaks so glowingly of here? It wasn't enough. And Epaphroditus was out there working himself near to death trying to supply the needs that he saw the Apostle Paul having. Now, you see, not every church can meet every need. In fact, no one church, this is 
one of the most wonderful things about the way missions works in independent Baptist churches. We don't have enough. If we took everything we gave to missions, we could probably put maybe two, depending on missionaries on the field, depending on where they were going, we might be able to support two. Maybe. If they were going to a very expensive field, we'd have about one and a half. But you know what? We partner together with literally hundreds of churches. And we have the opportunity of supporting over 70 missionaries and projects. We have a little part all over the world, in every continent, every place that people are. There's a missionary that our church is supporting. You see... This is what Paul is speaking of here when he says, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. God will give you what you need to stand fast. Because that's what you're supposed to be doing. We have an expectation concerning the gospel. We have a plan. We have a a thing that we're supposed to do. We have a confirmation. We we could call people up and just say, Hey, brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so, tell us how the gospel has worked in your life. And you could give testimonies of that. But we need to keep going until the day of Christ Jesus. Jesus is not done with this yet. Now, how is that going to happen? Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And we're not to be careful. We're not to worry. We're not to try to work it out. We're supposed to take those burdens in the crisis of this life and give them to the Lord in prayer. (coughs) We have to train our minds. We have so much to do that we don't have time to go running around trying to figure out something to add to the list. And we get down here to verse 19, and this is what Paul says, My God's going to supply all your need. Everything you need to do, everything you need to give, it's never enough. And it never will be enough. Oftentimes when missionaries call, I have to, Say, listen, I I don't know you. I don't know your mission board. I don't know your pastor. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself? And they'll start talking and and I'll start asking them some very pointed doctrinal questions. And and, uh, pretty soon, many times, we'll come to a point where we say, listen, you know, uh, this is a a deal breaker for our church. It really is, you know. Uh, We can't support every missionary we want to support or could support. And so we cannot in good conscience invest in a ministry that doesn't even hold a like doctrinal position. Now, if you don't know what you believe, why are you on the mission field? Uh, That's a question that needs to be asked. But we, we are looking for missionaries who know what they believe, number one, and who already agree with us. We're not looking to mold you and make you. We're, we're looking for agreement, unity, based on the Word of God. 
And God will supply our need to give in a way that will support God's work in this world. That's what God shall supply all your needs is talking about there. God's going to give you what you need. If every person in this church just gave what God wanted them to give, I'd be calling uh, GIBF and saying, do you got any more missionaries we could take on for support? Uh, as it is right now, we're, uh, we're, we're making it, but uh, we, could, we could do a little better, and we need to pray. And then he comes down to the salutation here. Now, unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. That is the theme of your Bible right there. If you want to know the theme of the Bible in one phrase, it is to God be the glory. That's what the Christian life is supposed to be about. That's what God wants from your life personally. That's what he wants from Open Door Bible Baptist Church. Paul said that's what he was getting from the Philippian church. Praise God. Salute every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren which are with me greet you. All the saints salute you, chiefly they that are, that are of Caesar's household. Now that tells you just a little bit of the influence the Apostle Paul had while he was imprisoned in Rome. How, he said, listen, these things have my bonds have, have worked out to the furtherance of the gospel. How would a man like Paul be able to witness to members of Caesar's household? Well, it was a whole lot easier when he was living in Rome, under Roman guard, waiting to hear Caesar. Uh, some of those curious people would have probably came over and Paul would have gotten started and then one of them would have told somebody else and who knows, he... He's got a group of them there that are actually in Caesar's household that have heard the gospel and that are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's an amazing truth, is it not? And Paul is just simply living his life. He says, I've got an expectation. I've got hope. I've got a confidence. I'm going to give you some consolation. I'm not going to give you a pat on the back. I'm going to tell you how to get this problem solved. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. He says, I'm going to tell you how it worked in my life. I willingly suffered the loss of all things and do count it but dung that I may win Christ. He says, listen, it works. Now, here's how you keep it working. Get in the right place. And the dear sisters here, they were a little bit out of step. But don't you think this problem resolved itself? God didn't do this to embarrass them. He did it to nudge them back to where they should have been standing, where they were standing at one place. At one point, if we understand the next verse properly... And he says, now here's what you got to do. you got to rejoice in the Lord. Always. Again, I say rejoice. 
Don't be carried away with excess. Let your moderation. Hey, let's just get it done. That's what Paul's simply saying here. And then he says, be careful for nothing. Will you let Jesus be careful for you? Will you let him carry those burdens? Will you take those things to him in prayer with thanksgiving? That's how the peace of God keeps your heart and mind. By the way, don't sit around and try to understand it. That's why Paul said, which passeth all understanding. Uh, I've met some people who sit there and they want to understand the ununderstandable. Now, Paul said it passes your understanding, therefore you cannot comprehend it, and you can waste the rest of your life trying to comprehend it, but you're not going to enjoy it. You know, that's one of the the keys to a good marriage. If you sit there, wife, and try to understand why your husband loves you and all of this stuff, it's not going to be a pleasant experience. And I've met some guys that, yeah, I really understand women. I said, yeah, that's why you're single too, isn't it? Listen here. Don't try to understand those things that God never intended you to understand. Enjoy it. That's what he says here. Let God's peace keep you. And if it's going to keep you... It's going to make your mind run on a certain set of tracks. True, honest, just, pure, lovely, of a good report. And there's, there's a learned set of tracks that you're going to walk in. Because you've learned. The Philippians had everything they needed to know to serve God. What's our excuse? Learned. Received. Heard, seen in me. And listen, there are blessings. Look how it worked out in the life of Paul. He was so thankful for what this Philippian church did, but they were still thinking back a couple of chapters when Epaphras worked himself half to death. And they're going, how in the world? Paul says, listen, I've learned wherever I am. God will supply my needs. You think I needed this. God said, no. Therefore, I didn't need this, and I'll still rejoice in the Lord anyway. And God will give you everything you need to serve Him with. So do not descry the little bit that you can do. Take what God's given you and give it. And it'll make the difference that God intended it to. And here's the purpose. To God be the glory. I love meeting new Christians. I love meeting new pastors that I haven't met before. And and being in the ministry, our our circle is not the largest circle, nor do we ever intend it to be. But I'll I'll still, I can't remember, I think it was at Heartland this last time, I met a brother. He's heard about me. I've heard about him for 20-some years. Finally, we got to shake hands. I'll tell you what, salute every saint. But God's going to let you meet some of them. And you know what? You're going to find out you're on the same team working together. And you see, the answer is the grace of God. That's how it works. And when things don't work the way they ought to, we're 
got to get that grace tank filled up a little more. It's not that God's grace isn't there. His grace is always abundant. It's receiving it that sometimes makes the difference. Amen? And so, Paul's message was very, very simple. I gave you the gospel. It's going to keep working. I have every expectation. Here's the plan. Here's how it worked in my life. And here's how it's going to keep working in your life. That's the book of Philippians. And now we're going to go back over the next several weeks and just pick up a few of those incredible little thoughts. The mind of Christ. I can't wait till we get there. Wow. Just that you can think about things the way Christ thought about things. That's... That solved the lady's problems now, didn't it? And it'll solve so many of ours. To make your salvation work, to use your salvation to get things done. That's what God wants. To have your needs supplied so you can serve God and be satisfied and content in your service for God. I don't ever want to put people on a guilt trip. That only goes so far. But if you can get the Holy Spirit motivating you, guess what? It'll keep you going all your life till Jesus comes back. And all God's people say, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you and we ask that the, these things in the, this little book, as we've spent several weeks on it already and hope to spend several more, that you would encourage us, that you would help us to understand that it, it is our part and our duty to rejoice, to count it all joy, to realize that you are the only source. And Lord, that when you do work in our lives, it brings glory to your name. We ask that this would be the case. We ask that you would work, that you may be glorified in our church and in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. And before we finish that prayer, we'll just have the piano play. If you need to slip out, the altar is open.